Hello and welcome to another episode of Watch the Game, presented by the Nation Network. I'm your host, Sam Blazer, and as always, I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, either Adam Lascaris or Cam Lewis. Which one is it going to be this week? It's Adam it's Lascaris. It's going to be Adam. <laughs> it's going to be Adam. How are you doing today, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, just a, a busy day, but uh, you know, it should be, uh, I, think, I think it'll be a fun podcast. I think uh, we'll learn a few things from Brock, and uh, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. He's always an interesting uh, fellow, especially like on Twitter. I, I love hearing what he has to say about uh, fantasy hockey, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But uh, let's switch gears. On Monday, at uh, Cam and I were talking about the Phoenix, uh, you know, arena deals, and there wasn't a lot to talk about. But of course, naturally, on Wednesday, there are all kinds of things to you know touch base on. The one that I'm really, really enjoying, at least at the moment, as a bystander is the uh, Patrick Laine-Austin Matthews uh, debate. Uh, not, it's not even really a debate. What more is is fans and writers alike trashing one another to try to say that their player is better. And so this is probably going to end up happening for the next you know, 12, 15 years. Uh, what, have you, what have you thought of their seasons thus far, uh, Adam? And is there anything in particular that you think is uh, noteworthy to mention? Um, well, I mean, I, I think... Uh... It was interesting just because of uh, sort of the way, uh, you know, the way that Matthews broke into the league for sure. You know, having having that four goal game, but uh, definitely since then he's uh, well, obviously seen a regression. Um, you know, he's going through a bit of a bit of a scoring slump right now. His uh, his shooting numbers have been ho- have been pretty low, while uh, while Line's numbers have been have been really high. And I think, uh, but I think that's sort of uh, you know one of the really really more fun moments in hockey, just because. Uh, you know, there's nothing bad you can really say about Line right now. Like he's, you know, just been putting up incredible numbers. You know, already had a pair of hat tricks, and uh, um, yeah, I know it's definitely it's definitely real early in their season. But at the same time, I think uh, I think it's sort of funny just you know being in that Leafs bubble and uh, for so long there was you know even before the season started there was this debate of you know who's better. You know, did the Leafs make the right decision? Uh, is Line a, you know, like a better pure goal scorer? And uh, I think it's uh, it's really humbled a lot of Leafs fans, but at the same time, uh, it's really hard to be dissatisfied with uh, with Austin Matthews this year. I, I don't really know how you could be dissatisfied with either of them. I think at this point, arguing about the two of them is more or less semantics. You're... You... Or not necessarily. I don't want to call someone an idiot for debating the two of them, but it's like watching two horses, you know, kind of like trot around, and you want to criticize them when in reality there's just there's just a lot of beauty out there, man. There's a lot there's a lot going on on the ice, and I think most of it's good. And it's not like Austin Matthews is having these huge breakdowns where he's like you know basically a bullfighter yelling ole, you know he's. It's not like that at all. Austin Matthews still has a really, really solid game, and Patrick Laine obviously is shooting at a ridiculously high percentage at the moment. So the the debate between the two, I think, is is fun for at least being on the sidelines. Getting in the middle of that, I think, is a losing battle. But you know, luckily, you know, I'm not involved in it. Uh, switching gears to another younger player, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, apparently injured his hand from a slash from. Uh, uh, sister and so or Sutter, I believe, and so it looks like he's going to be out four to six weeks. How big of a blow is that to Calgary? And overall, Calgary looks like an absolute mess. What are your thoughts on the Flames thus far, uh, Adam? Yeah, well, I think the Flames are, uh, you know, losing Gaudreau is obviously uh, karma for that contract situation. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I think uh, I think the Flames have 
have definitely been a team where, uh, you know, coming into the season, there was there was some bits of hope, but there was still a lot of questioning. And I think uh, I think sometimes, you know, there's there's going to be those teams where where things just sort of aren't really coming together for them right now. And I feel like that's sort of a situation where the where the Flames are in, where uh, you know, you look at they've got some certain top end talents, but at the same time, uh, if you go down their lineup, they're not not exactly. Uh, you know, packing packing the depth on the on the third and fourth lines. You know, you just um, you're, you're stuck stuck with some players that uh, you know, especially if your superstars aren't performing. Um, their depth's been a bit of an issue, and I think uh, I think Calgary. Uh, you know, it's just it's just showing you that like in a in a thirty team league, there's going to have to be some teams that uh, don't perform to their potential. Um, so I think I think Calgary. Uh, yeah, they're definitely going through a rough stretch right now, and I, I don't think uh, too many people predicted them playing like this, but at the same time, I don't think that it's overly surprising either. Yeah, I think overall the problem with the Flames is they changed coaches, but overall they really haven't changed much as an on-ice product. Obviously, you know, there are different systems in place and different ways that they're doing this, but the way that they're rolling out lines and rolling out defensive pairings is just like, it's just strange. I don't understand what they're trying to get at. It's, uh, you know, Gaudreau's obviously playing on a, a high-end line, but then you have people like Dougie Hamilton paired with an AHL, you know, level defenseman, and then now Dougie Hamilton's on the block. It's not making much sense to me and I don't understand if it's maybe it's a Burke thing or if that's you know a Glutazon thing that's happening there it's it's troubling at least from a Calgary standpoint because the rebuild I wouldn't say that people thought it was over but I think that a lot of people thought that that Calgary was going to be something a little bit more special this year than they've been showing this far and if they're already talking about trading some players especially some high-end players that they signed to long-term deals this is going to be a long 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 season for them uh also on the injury front uh unfortunately uh Steven Stamkos um was injured last night Stamkos has been dealing with a, a fair amount of knee injuries in the past uh he's off to a, a real real hot start this year is that something that uh, lightning fans should be worried about with Stamkos they're so loaded I I feel like at times Stam- having Stamkos on the team is just an added luxury they did quite well without him last year um, during the playoffs are you worried about the uh, the lightning without Steven Stamkos uh, Adam um I think uh yeah like you said they're they're definitely one of the deeper teams in the NHL um you know sort of uh, the sort of score by committee, I guess, in a sense. Um, so I think that Stamkos's injury will definitely be damaging to them, but at the same time, um, it won't be uh, it won't be a make or break. You know, it's not he's not a Carey Price kind of player where he's you know playing sixty minutes a night or anything. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, uh, Stamkos's injury. I mean, he's he's been dealt a really rough hand in the past, but um, I think it, I think it's just interesting because he's sort of one of those guys where where you watch and, uh, you know, he's sort of a, a threat to score every time he's on the ice. Um, but yeah, I think, I think one of the things I've noticed just in the past couple of years with Steven Stamkos, where, you know, he hasn't putting up, uh, putting up the, you know, the record breaking monster type seasons, obviously not, you know, single season points record breaking or anything, but just sort of the, the numbers he was putting up. I think it sort of makes you appreciate almost the career that he's had so far. Um, just because I think we took it a bit, a bit for granted at the time, uh, you know, just seeing him and, I mean, can play at the level they were playing at a, a few years back. Um, so I think, 
you know, having Stamkos out, it's you definitely uh, feel unfortunate for the guy, but at the same time, um, you know, he's a guy who we've seen such a such a wild career from so far. So I think, um, yeah, I think he's. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Lightning uh, are without him moving forward. I'm really, really worried to see how he comes back from this. At the moment, they haven't announced what's gonna, uh, you know, how how long he's gonna end up being out, but. He already last year, and uh, you know, years before that, when he came back from these injuries, he didn't really look like himself. And that's always one of the like the saddest things I think in sports is to see a player not come back a hundred percent and having to only rely on one part of his game. Stamkos has one hell of a shot, and I wonder if he's going to have to end up relying more on that rather than you know some of his like underrated speed to get, to get the breakaways that way that he has in the past i I'm, I'm really really interested to see how they maneuver this in the years ahead um, and i wonder how he's going to come back from this and how he's going to react cuz he came out this year absolutely firing him he's one of my favorite storylines uh speaking of storylines though adam i want to know what is your absolute favorite storyline thus far i know we've we've touched on some um, over the course of the, uh, the the short history of the podcast, but early on in the season, what is your favorite storyline thus far? Uh, I got to go with uh, the Chicago Cubs winning the uh, winning the World Series. You know, that's just a great group of guys. Um, you know, no, you, think... you'll you'll, t- you'll take any opportunity to give me a pot shot. It doesn't matter if it's on Twitter, on Slack. You'll you you'll just want you just want to like you know dig the knife in farther, man. That's that's hurt. That's hurtful. No, I think. Uh... I think my favorite storyline this year, it might even be, uh, um, uh, whether it's, I think it's just teams. I always like seeing teams perform well that, uh, hockey Twitter seems to have a consensus that they won't perform well. Um, even if it's in a short stretch of, of, uh, you know, time, but I think just, uh, you know, like you look, looking at the standings right now, Anaheim's, uh, you know, first in their division, uh, you know, the, the Rangers are, uh, are killing it. They have, a unbelievable goal differential right now they have a plus 34 goal differential through 17 games um you know we've got a bunch of y'all still doing well um so i know i think those are three teams which they might not keep it up for the remainder of the season and um but i think it's just fun to seeing teams do well that people um spend so much of the offseason criticizing um not that those criticisms are any less valid you know there was um you know, there's been some definite strange moves uh, occurring in all three of those organizations, but I think it's just fun to see teams go on runs that you probably know are unsustainable, but at the same time, um, you know, seem to like provide a spark for debate. And you know, they seem to, you know, it's fun to see teams go on runs uh, when the numbers show that they probably shouldn't be. Oh, sure. And in that similar vein, I think my, one of my favorite storylines, and no one's going to pay attention to them because, for better or worse, they're one of the most boring teams in the league. The New Jersey Devils are just chugging along. Uh, they added Taylor Hall, obviously, but they're they're winning, and they're doing so at a pretty good clip. I Their defense isn't that improved. You know, Their offense isn't you know revolutionary by any stretch. But when you have Corey Schneider in that, you can pretty much 
like you know stay in stay in the race the entire season and if they're getting the scoring that they've been getting and be getting the defensive play that they've been getting they're going to you know end up being there all the way into March and April and I think they're going to be a fun storyline to follow because no one is going to want to talk about them <laughs> which is kind of a depressing thought if you're a New Jersey fan you know you have the stigma put around you for you know almost the you know for years and years and years obviously you're making Stanley Cups you're winning Stanley Cups but now when you're not doing that you know now you're just a boring team, but I think they may have something special brewing there, and they they could end up being a, a playoff team if they keep this up, especially with the way that their uh, underlying underlying numbers are adding up at the moment. Um, but before that, um, anything else before we uh, s- switch over to Baraka, Adam? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we touched on a lot of things. I think just uh, looking over the standings again here, uh, you know, a lot of people sort of predicted. Uh, predicted florida at the start of the year to, to really be making a push forward and uh you know they've they've run into a few struggles and you know it's just i think it's just funny looking at the standings uh early enough in the season where you know we're not even 20 games in yet um oh yeah and just sort of thinking about you know how how things are gonna you know whether whether the standings are going to shake out how uh how like everyone thought they would moving forward i think it's just always fun to uh to be at this point in the season um yeah i think you know another storyline that's really interesting was uh i think arizona um you know they've been uh having a real rough go so far only 10 points through 14 games but uh i think that's another fun one just because there was a lot of you know stats people that predicted them you know going on a tear this year and uh they haven't been able to do that so um yeah i, I think we're still we're still like right at the stage where you, you can't make too many predictions yet, but um, but yeah, no, it's been a it's been an interesting start to the season for sure. No, totally. I, I'm I'm already feeling worse about telling Cam that the Canucks aren't going to be in the bottom five and the Ducks are. Uh, both of those are already looking absolutely terrible. So I probably should be backtracking on that. But I'm I'm going to double down and say that I, I still think that the Canucks are going to improve and then uh, the Ducks are uh, going to keep uh, going on a downward swing. So. I, that's that's just the kind of person I am, Adam. That's just the kind of person I am. But uh, with all that being said, let's transition over to our conversation with uh, Brock Segan. Hello, and we are now back with Brock Segan, uh, editor-in-chief of Daily Faceoff. Brock, how you doing today, buddy? Good, thanks. Uh, how are you guys doing? Can't complain. Uh, Adam's got the first question for you. Uh, yeah, so I know you've told me before, but uh, sort of tell me a bit about uh, the story of Daily Faceoff, sort of how it how it came to be and um, how, uh, how you came to be involved with it. Uh, it's actually funny because a lot of people seem to think that it's actually my website. Like I started it, which isn't actually the case. Um, so three guys, um, local guys actually ended up starting it way back. I think probably eight years ago. Now I got involved five years ago uh, and it was kind of funny how I got involved. Uh, I went on a hockey tournament with some of the guys and uh, just over some beers, I kind of mentioned to one of the guys that I was in, you know, going to school for journalism and stuff. And then in, about a year later, I got this random Facebook message from one of the guys who owned Daily Faceoff. He's like, came hey, in, like, if I remember correctly, I think you said you went to school for journalism, right? And you were interested in getting involved in, in writing and whatever. Uh, would you be interested in working for this website? And I was like, uh, hell yeah, I hadn't even finished school yet. Um, and so I got involved like that, just kind of on a volunteer basis. And it turned, uh, it ended up being, I just got full reins as the editor in chief and I've been doing it ever since. So it was kind of weird how it started. Um, and then they, those guys kind of got phased out and, uh, nation network came on board and it 
kind of just turned into my show and now people just think it's my website, but I'm just the guy running it. Interesting. So, you know, aside of that magnitude, obviously, we talked a little bit uh, off air beforehand how it can be tough to keep up to date. What does the normal day to day look like for you? Uh, It all depends, I guess, on how many games there are. Normally, I'm up around eight in the morning and I kind of just edit the lines and, you know, write about the injuries from the night before. Like today, I had to wake up and write about Stamkos getting hurt against the Wings last night. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau got hurt last night. Darren Helm got hurt last night. So you kind of just kind of catch up on all the stuff you missed and then you just grind until about 3 or 4 p.m. confirming goalies, uh, every team's lines, injuries. And then the real difficult part is when a team doesn't confirm their goalies, whether it's a back-to-back or some teams just don't announce their goalies at all. And then you're sitting on your computer at 9.30 at night um, getting yelled at by your girlfriend, but you're like, I can't help it. I'm trying to confirm a goalie. And, you know, Los Angeles is the worst because they play super late and they never confirm their goalie. So, 82 times a year when Los Angeles is playing, I got to be on my laptop sometime around 9, 30, 10 o'clock p.m., which is never all that exciting. But it's a fun job. It's um, like I mentioned before the show, it's it's weird confirming goalies sometimes because, you you know, you want to just say the guy's confirmed. But then all of a sudden, if he doesn't start, you're, you're getting nervous that people are going to yell at you. And it's, it, you know, the Internet is, a, is a, crazy, a crazy thing sometimes when you when you're wrong. For and, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about uh, specifically. Uh, uh, most people uh, probably figured out by now that you're a you're a Red Wings fan. Uh, talk about their goaltending situation because it's a bit of a strange one. It seemed like uh, Mrazek had that uh, position locked up at the start of the year, and uh, Jimmy Howard's been making a push recently. But if you look back at his past few seasons, you know he hasn't really been that number one guy. Uh, what do you feel about their goaltending situation in uh, in Detroit? Well, coming into the year, I was really high on the Red Wings goaltending situation. I still am. I think it's one of the better tandems in the NHL. Um, it's been really nice to see Howard uh, bounce back this year. I think it's a really important thing for the Red Wings to have that stability in net because Mrazek is a little bit of a wild card. I mean, we saw him last year. He was excellent at the start of the year, kind of started falling off at the end of the year. But just the way he plays is just... It's, it's not like you, you watch a guy like Carey Price who's just, you know, so calm and so positionally sound. When Mrazek is a little, he's a smaller guy, so he, he comes out of the crease. Like we saw on the goal last night that uh, Kucherov scored to win the game. He Mrazek was totally out of position, and I think it's just the way he plays. Having a guy like Howard behind him really stabilizes the position, and Mrazek has struggled recently, and Howard's played well. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they go back to Howard and see where he can, if he can, you know, pick the ball up and run with it again. Um, because Mrazek just, he's been, he hasn't looked the same as he did last year. So I would expect Howard to see the bulk of the starts going forward uh, for the next maybe, you know, week or so. And, you know, not to pile on to the Red Wings at all, because, you know, we, we all and we all write on the Wings Nation here. But, you know, mm-hmm. how problematic is the Wings bottom six, actually? There's been a lot of talk. We've had, uh, you know, Dom LeShugin on um, from, uh, oh, at OMG, it's Domi, and he talked a little bit about how, you know, poor that, that fourth line was. But how bad is it really? Uh, you know, writers and pundits want to make a big deal about it, but as they continue to win, is it as weak as people say, or is, you know, there, you know, a little glimmer of hope there? I think there's hope uh, for the Red Wings. I don't, I, I maybe I'm just biased, but I think there's, the Red Wings aren't as bad as they've looked or been so far. Um, I know they're the, you know, the worst Corsi team in the NHL right now. Uh, the, some of the signings that Ken Holland made in the offseason were a little bit questionable. Uh, I think it's going to be problematic with Darren Helm now out of the lineup for the foreseeable future. Uh, but getting Thomas Vanek back will definitely help. 
Uh, and when you just look at a team like the Rangers, who seem to have skill on all four lines, I think that's something that the Red Wings could absolutely do if they start to phase out the guys like Drew Miller uh, and Steve Ott, especially the way Anthony Mantha's come up and played. Um, Andre Athanasiu has played really well this year when he gets back healthy. I think that they can transition if these kids keep playing well and giving management kind of no choice but to keep them on the team. I think they can kind of transition back into a team that runs with more skill um, than rather than that gross OMG line um, with Ott, Miller, and Glenn Denny, who have just really struggled. I think there was a there's a point in time where the Red Wings lost like four or five in a row, and their line was on the ice uh, for every single game-winning goal. And it was like, okay, what the hell are these guys? But they're the ones that are trusted at that kind of time in the game, and it's just not working out for them. So uh, I, I don't think the, the bottom six is as problematic as it actually looks. Uh, right now, they're in a bit of trouble, but I think as the season progresses, I think it's going to kind of start to to solidify itself a little bit as these kids continue to come up and play well. It's just a matter of uh, if that actually, if Holland and, and Blashill decide to give them the chance. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, of course, in the off season and now during the season itself, people are talking about the lack of not necessarily uh, wings defensive depth but lack of uh, high-end wings defensive depth uh, Jacob Trubo was attached to him Dougie Hamilton is attached to him we know that these blockbuster trades are really really hard to pull off and uh, some GMs are notoriously hard uh, you know to try to work with in those kind of deals but do you, what is the percentage likelihood that you think that they acquire a difference making name on defense this year it's tough to say. It seems like for Ken Holland, the asking price is always too high. I think that's always kind of been his... Uh, every time you think that the Red Wings are going to acquire one of these big pieces, you hear an interview right after with, with Holland, and he's just like, oh, the asking price was too high. It just seems like he's always, I think, just too nervous to pull the trigger and trade some of his assets. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can put a number on it. I was just reading Elliot Friedman wrote about how Dougie Hamilton is kind of on the block right now and how Detroit might be interested it would be nice to see a piece like that because you're right. The, I think like we just talked about the Red Wings bottom six. The real issue is the blue line in Detroit. Um, that's going to, I think, make or break them if, if they're going to continue this playoff streak. Um, not so much the bottom six, but the, the blue line. I would love to see him go out and get a guy like Truba. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think that the Red Wings have the pieces that Winnipeg's looking for. Uh, hopefully, maybe he can come here in a couple of years after that deal's up. Uh, but I think Hamilton might be a guy that's a little bit easier to pick up. I think... Um, the Flames, if they do decide to trade him right now, would be kind of selling low on him, um, where Truba is just one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. You'd have to give up a, a ton for him. So I would say maybe 20%. I still don't think there's a great chance. I don't think the Red Wings are ready to really part with any of the young, younger assets. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Nyquist go if, if, if they do acquire a player like that. But uh, I don't think like Mantha or any of those young players are going anywhere. So I don't think there's a really a, a great chance uh, the Red Wings acquire a big guy like that. And I guess uh, just sort of moving on to the rest of the league, um, you know, looking at how different players have performed this season, has there been any sort of, uh, you know, big uh, major surprises uh, on the fantasy front this year? And who uh, who do you think those players are? Uh, I think the biggest surprises for me so far are actually Patrick Laine and Mark Scheifele. Um all the hype was kind of surrounding Austin Matthews, especially after he scores four goals in the, his NHL debut. But Line's really kind of outshadowed him uh, the last, you know, the first month of the season. I think everybody really thought that Line was going to be a good NHL goal scorer. Uh, he's got a great shot, uh, quick release. 
But I don't think anybody quite saw this coming. I mean, 12 goals in his first 18 games is pretty remarkable. Um, it's worth noting he's obviously shooting at a ridiculous uh, percentage right now. I think it's like 23%. Uh, but the, the the volume of shots is what is intriguing. If he continues, to, I, I ran some numbers before I came on the show, and if he continues to shoot at the same pace, and even if his shooting percentage drops from 23 to 15, he's still going to pick up 27 goals over his remaining 64 games, which puts him on pace for 39 goals in his rookie season, which is just remarkable. So um, Lion has been a huge surprise. Not that I didn't expect him to be good. I just didn't expect him to be this good this quickly. And then even Shifley, um, I mean, it's a little bit easier for Shifley to, to be a breakout player when he's playing with game breakers like Line and uh, Nikolai Ehlers and Blake Wheeler. So, I mean, that team is intriguing. They have so many injuries right now, and they're still playing good hockey. So if uh, if Line can continue what he's doing, Shifley keeps this thing up, and they get Brian Little back, I think Winnipeg is really a team to watch out in the, in the Western Conference. Is there a team, or not necessarily a team, but a, a player right now that should be circled uh, or you know maybe picked up off like a waiver claim um, and he could end up being a difference maker fantasy-wise by the end of the year. I feel like there's a couple of players that always end up doing that. Colton Pareko, uh, Shane Gossespair were a couple of them last year. Is there someone that you you know you have an eye on right now? It's not so much maybe somebody that's on the waiver uh, wire. Um, I was really high on like Zach Rowenski, which I know you're probably pretty happy about Sam uh, in Columbus. Oh, yeah. I was really high on him coming, out, coming into the year. Um, a lot of that actually had to do with a conversation I had with you, um, so I appreciate that. <laughs> made me look a little bit smarter uh, when when telling people to pick up Rensky. He's been on fire. Uh, but maybe a guy that is starting to hit waiver wires or a guy that you can kind of buy low on in, in a trade right now for me is Aaron Ekblad. Um, he's only got three goals, no assists in his first 16 games, which is really weird. Um, but his, his shots are up from last year. He's averaging, I think, he's going to finish with about 40 more shots if he keeps this up than he did last year. Um, but the Panthers are shooting just 1.5% while Ekblad's on the ice right now, which is just abysmal. Uh, that's obviously should go up, which will help uh, Ekblad pick up uh, some more assists. His shooting percentage is down right now. Um, I think once Huberto gets back and Bugstad gets back, I think that whole Panthers team uh, will start to pick it up. And uh, Ekblad's just a guy who, who I had coming into this year as one of the big breakout defensemen. Um, and I think a lot of people thought the same thing. And with a slow start, I think maybe people will start panicking a little bit on Ekblad. And as a guy that you could either, he's probably hit the waiver wire in some leagues, or you can acquire him for much less than you should be able to acquire him for, because this isn't going to keep up. And I guess, uh, you know, sort of talking about uh, your position as, uh, you know, one of the more well-known uh, fantasy writers out there and, you know, operating uh, what's likely the biggest uh, fantasy hockey uh uh, advice site out there uh, you get a lot of people that come to you asking for advice and uh, you know what are the keys to uh, you know sort of someone starting out like this and um, you know what are what are sort of the the inefficiencies uh, you try and find or the methods you use to uh, you know to be as reliable as possible obviously if we're taking money off your plate man we don't have to answer it but you know you, you can give us a little like some crumbs some tidbits <laughs> no it's 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 funny because I write like these cheat sheets and stuff all the time and give people advice. And it's just, it's funny because I'm writing it and then I'm going out and using my own advice. And then I look and then all of a sudden the players that I'm talking about are higher owned in, in these, in these games. And it's like, damn, I wish. And then if they go off, it's like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm like I had a guy the other day. Um, one of my cheat sheets went crazy and he, I won the guy like $4,000. And I was like, damn, what, why wasn't I playing in that con- <laughs> like that contest? 
Um, but no, it's the thing. If you're just starting, um, the one thing you got to remember is you can be the smartest human in the world uh, when it comes to fantasy hockey. But really, it, it kind of still comes down to luck at the end of the day. Um, we're basically trying to predict what other humans are going to do on any given night, which is, you know, nobody can actually do it. Uh, the one thing you just kind of got to look for is trends and good matchups. Uh, the one thing that's key um, in daily fantasy sports is kind of stacking up a line. So, you you know, you, you might pick. That's why daily faceoff is so important in the fantasy industry, especially now with, you know, the DraftKings and the FanDuel, because people want to know which players are playing with which, you know, who's playing with Connor McDavid tonight and then who's playing with, you know, uh, Austin Matthews tonight. And you kind of want to find just a team that's got a good matchup. Maybe, uh, like last night, you look at the Maple Leafs going up against Merrick Mazanik, um in Nashville's net, who I basically just destroyed on Twitter uh, yesterday for, for their decision to start him. But you look, you got to try to find a, try to find those games where there's a good matchup and then you maybe stack up a couple guys that are playing on the same line. So if, you know, you pick up um, Van Riemsdyk last night, you also pick up Marner. So, that you, you know, if you're getting, if Van Riemsdyk goes off, you're probably getting Marner assist. That's kind of the way you got to do it. You got to stack up some lines. Um, and just try to find some really cheap value guys too, so you can you know stack the top of your lineup, you know make it top heavy. But then you you fill out your lineup with like Renee Bork or something, and then if he scores, that could be the difference between you and a hundred bucks and a thousand bucks on any given night. And you know to end the uh, fantasy questions and wrapping this up overall, uh, is there a wings player on your end that you think is a must own when on your fantasy team? I know Dylan Larkin seems to be the player, and you know that everyone uh, fawns over. But I, th- I feel like there's always some up- underrated players on the wings that always end up having good years. Is there someone that you uh, that you personally like at the moment? I was really high on um, Thomas Tatar coming into the year. He's been a little bit snake bitten. Uh, a lot has been made about his his analytic numbers. Uh, he's a, I think he's a great player. He he. The one thing you don't see when you if you're not like an everyday Red Wings fan is Thomas Tatar tends to do some stupid shit when he's on the ice, but he also does some amazing stuff. Uh, he's a guy that I think is just gonna about to turn the corner. Uh, I think I've been you know basically beating this. Uh, into the ground because I talk about him all the time on my podcast and uh, I talk about him, you know, on Wings Nation. I'm always like, okay, tonight's the night. I talk about him on Twitter. Like, tonight's the night he breaks out and still I'm just waiting for it. I think uh, Thomas Tatar is kind of a guy just like Aaron Eckblad that you could probably buy low on as a Red Wing player. Um, And then I also think Anthony Mantha is a guy that everybody should be keeping an eye on. He's played huge minutes in his first two games since being called up. Uh, The Red Wings seem to really trust him. He's he's leading the Red Wings forwards in like uh, power play time in the first two games during his call-up. So I think he's another guy. We've seen him put up just prolific numbers at lower levels. Um, And those numbers usually tend to translate into, you know, NHL success. So I think Mantha's another guy, especially for people in like keeper leagues and stuff like that, that uh, he's a guy that you should keep an eye on because uh, if he keeps seeing top six minutes and stuff, he's going to be putting up big numbers, I think. Now, Brock, you brought up your podcast, wrapping up here. Uh, what are some things you like to plug? Where can we find your Twitter account, um, your podcast itself, anything that you've been watching on TV or you know a movie that you like <laughs> recently? Yeah, uh, more than welcome to plug now. The floor is yours. Um, well, my Twitter is at Brock underscore Segan. Um, Segan is the same as Tyler Segan, S-E-G-U-I-N. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow my podcast. It's the Daily Faceoff podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at DFO Podcast or just Daily Faceoff itself, which is just at Daily Faceoff. Uh, and TV shows, you know, it's funny. I'm actually looking for a new one right now uh, because this might be embarrassing. I'm a bit of a country music fan, and me and my girlfriend just recently got into the the show Nashville. And 
through the first season, I'm like, oh, this show is kind of lame. And then all of a sudden, I just got sucked in, and it was excellent. And then now that and now that it's over, we watched all four seasons in like a month. And now that it's over, I feel like there's a there's something missing. Uh, so I'm I don't know what do you guys look what are you guys watching right now? I need a show. No, that's that's exactly where I'm at right now. I uh, I started the TV show uh, Gilmore Girls recently, and <laughs> and I I completely thought to myself I was like you know I'll give this episode I'll give this a couple chances because you know girlfriend was talking to me about it. And then I was like, this is, this is lame. And then I started getting into it and I, it's just like, it's like comfort food, the TV show. It's weird. Yeah. There's there's some TV shows like that where you just like watch it and you're just like, all right, this is like, this feels nice. I don't really have to think too much. And you know, it's just right there. And you know, there's like very little drama and I don't know. I, I'm, I've been digging on that show recently. What about you, Adam? Uh, you don't want to know what I watch. Uh, no, I've been, uh, <laughs> that's, I've been a, that's, a, that's a serial killer answer right there. man. <laughs> And all over the map, I, I just I tend to watch a lot of like random documentaries, and sometimes I watch like conspiracy theory movies and and whatnot. Uh, just all over the place, but uh, yeah, nothing in particular right now. The last series I watched in full was Stranger Things, and that was back in the oh, summer. Oh, that was that was excellent though. But uh, yeah, you were the one that actually told me to watch it, and I was super pumped up about it once I started. It was excellent. Yeah, um, but no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't been following anything too closely. Just sort of. Uh, you know, I live with a few different few different guys and uh, just in school here, and we tend to just sort of be all over the place. So we watch uh, sort of things here and there, but uh, nothing too uh, nothing too uh, recommendable. Not yeah, no that's problem. the one thing for me working from home. It's just like I can rip through a season in a day because you know it just you, you write about hockey, but you also got one eye on the TV. So I'm always looking for those shows that you can kind of watch with one eye. On for the sure. computer and one eye on the TV. I started watching that Narco show and I'm really into it, but that's not a show you can do that on because there's so many uh, subtitles and stuff because they're speaking Spanish the whole time. So that's been one that I've been watching super slowly. Uh, if people haven't watched Narcos, I think that's one people should get into. But I've watched all of them: the Suits, the Breaking Bads, all the good ones. But now I'm, I'm running low. This is going to end up turning into like a spinoff podcast, isn't it? Like us, yeah. three, us three are just going to end up talking about uh, TV shows the entire time. But no, I'm, I'm the exact same way most of the time I'm working from home. Gilmore Girls is totally like that. You can just throw it on in the background. It's some good stuff. Well, hey, Brock, we appreciate you coming on today and uh, talking about everything, including uh, TV shows with Bud. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, not a problem. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. We're back after a conversation with Brock Segan. Uh, great conversation, but there is something about fantasy sports I want to touch on. You, what are your actual thoughts on it? I I can never seem to get it down. Are are you a big fantasy uh, sports guy, Adam? Oh, I, I absolutely uh, despise them. No, I don't despise them. Like <laughs> I understand, I understand the appeal, but uh, I think it's funny. Uh, fantasy hockey is just one where there's 180 games in the season, and I've never been able to have the uh, proper patience to. Know, update my lineups on a daily basis and you know look forward uh, uh look forward ahead to you know matchups each night and be trying to pick and choose things i i've, I've been a big fan of playoff pools because they uh, get me engaged for a, a short period of time but uh fantasy sports as a whole they've always uh they've always turned me off a little bit um i think that uh you know i've seen firsthand with people that i know uh sometimes trying to enjoy the uh the fantasy aspect of the game more than the actual game you know you'll be more concerned about if a player scores uh a goal that'll you know benefit your team or uh you know benefit you'll be worried if it benefits your your opponent or whatnot and i think that uh there's definitely a bit of like every time i see with fantasy sports like i definitely understand the appeal but at the same time i feel like sometimes it pulls away a bit from the magic of the game 
there is a little bit of that there. You know, and hockey being 82 games is brutal. Fantasy football is a little bit more manageable since it's only 16 weeks. But, you know, it's absolutely brutal. And I only did this one year is uh, fantasy baseball. 162 games, and you're having update actually daily. Sun- Saturday and Sunday, it does not matter. You are having to do so, and it absolutely sucks. It is just not good by any stretch of the imagination. And every single time I, you know, when I tried to do it, I looked at it and I, I was already down, you know, losing like weeks over and over again. And so the the patience it takes with the fantasy is unreal, but that's why things like daily fantasy are becoming as popular as they are because there's quick money to be made and there's quick decisions to be made, especially with the matchups. And that's why Brock Segan's just you know so good as his so good at his job just because he's able to do things like that. Now transitioning to the games tonight, I know there's one that you in particular have uh, scheduled. Uh, the Capitals ended up losing last night to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets two one in overtime. But tonight they're facing off against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and there's already a little trash being talked on Twitter. Uh, what are you looking forward to in that matchup? Uh, well, I think it's interesting. Uh, yeah, just you know, those are the those are the games. Uh, you know, early ish in the season that uh, people were trying to pull a lot from. Um, when in reality, it won't really tell you a whole lot about either team. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be a you know an interesting matchup. Uh, just seeing the way that things are shaking out so far, you know, Washington, uh, you know, they're only at a plus two goal differential so far through the year. They're, uh, I don't know if playoff positions really matter, but they're, they're holding on to the, uh, the first wild card spot. Um, whereas Pittsburgh's looked a bit more, uh, like one of the, the league's top teams, you know, they've, uh, uh, they picked up a, a 10, uh, 10, three and two record. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting, uh, just because, uh, it's, like it's a one game, you know, you're not going to be able to pull the world from it, but I think people will still try to, um, and that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, you know, 10 years or so now, uh, since we've been able to see, uh, this, uh, this rivalry, uh, get brewing. And it's always, it's always interesting, uh, when Pittsburgh and Washington meet up. No, for sure. And I think Washington, and this was talked a little bit last night, actually, in the Blue Jackets broadcast as I was watching. They were talking about how, much like how people thought the Lightning were going to have a closed window, you know, quicker than people thought. The the Capitals are going to have to sign some players and quickly if they want to keep the band together. This could be end up being one of their last hurrahs, at least, you know, with the current construction of the team. They have some young players that will be able to come in, I think, and make some impact. Um, but the Penguins, you know, aren't having the greatest start and they're still like one of the top teams in the East. That has to be scary for everyone because, you know, if you can't find any sort of advantage over them, they're just going to keep dominating. And there's a reason why they're the Stanley Cup favorites this year is because they're just that good. And I, I don't worry about the Eastern Conference or the Metropolitan Division, but it's going to be tough to make hay, and I think there's teams like you know the Carolina Hurricanes, and I mentioned before the New Jersey Devils that you know if they're going to try to you know make a difference in there, or, you know maybe slip into a wild card spot. Playing teams like the Capitals and the Penguins is just absolutely brutal for them, and I don't I don't really know where they're supposed to go from here. Uh, with that being said, we can close up the show. You can follow me at Sam underscore Blazer. You can follow Adam at Adam underscore Lascaris. And if you want to uh, send us some questions, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and uh, put a question in there. We'll answer it next time we're on the pod during our outro. Um, 
make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hopefully over the next couple days, what we'll be able to do is get it up on Google Play and some other places. Uh, I'll consult with my good friend Adam here on the other line and see if we can get that um, in the works. With all that being said, until next time, on Friday with Ian Fleming talking about the New York Rangers and goalies. Mm, Bye! (laughs) 